Hi, I'm Peter Harper, the Managing Director and CEO of Asina Advisors, and this is the Three Pillars Podcast. The objective of the Three Pillars Podcast is to shine a light on the value of a family office and how it can perpetuate wealth creation, preservation, and education, and the value of being purpose-driven. Andrew, it's awesome to have you here with me today uh, for the Three Pillars podcast. Um, it's probably been about 18 months since we last caught up. And, uh, you know, today I wanted to touch on with you the topic of prepping next gen for material inheritances and how you think about you know, philanthropy versus legacy. One of the things I love about our discussions is just as we were prepping for this, I started, you know, putting things out to you and, you know, reciting my memory of things we've discussed in the past. And, you know, straight away you're, you're picking me up and saying, no, Peter, you know, this is not all necessarily about philanthropy. It's, you know, the overarching theme of this is purpose. Can you just give uh, you know, the listeners, a bit of an overview of your yourself, your background and, you know, what it is that makes you tick. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Peter. It's great to catch up with you again. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been working with families of wealth for uh, 20 years or more. And so I've, I've got to see firsthand the challenges they face as they navigate the complexities of wealth. So I, I work with families to help them navigate uh, that complexity and to flourish as a family because if they flourish as a family and their relationships are strong, the chances are they'll be able to manage their resources well. Conversely, if, if they don't get along well, <laughs> they really can't make good decisions. Uh, often they, their relationships break down and eventually the wealth dissipates. So to me, working with families on being healthy relationally is the key to actually ensuring their success and longevity as a family and, and as a legacy. Uh, and so I'm interested in that idea of, well, how do you help families do that? But also, how do you help prepare young people in the context of that? Because they grow into these families not knowing what they should do and how they should be. And, and so the second part of what I do is, is work with a program called Core Venture. And Core Venture is all about preparing young people from families of wealth to flourish at every stage of their life as they sort of navigate these challenges that we'll talk about. Yeah. And just prior, we were touching on this point about, you know, this idea that, you know, our particular focus in this series is preparing, you know, first-gen uh, patriarchs, uh, matriarchs for, you know, life post-liquidity event, you know, things you have to do to, you know, to get ready to set up a, a family office or a multifamily office and how important it is to integrate the rest of the family into that decision-making process. Um, and you touched on a point that I think was, was super critical you, that, that, that related to, you know, what folks think a serious liquidity event will be, will, will mean for their other family members. Do you mind just touching on that point? Yeah. I mean, again, families I've worked with and, and uh, who I, I know through the programs who run the liquidity event, uh, you know, will materially change the families, uh, how they live their life. Uh, you know, obviously they're already wealthy, but this unlocking of significant wealth creates a whole bunch of questions for the family. What do we do with that wealth? Um, what does it mean for our kids? Do we significantly change our lifestyle? Uh, when it comes to the kids, 
how much of this do we leave them eventually? Um, what's healthy to leave them? What, what, what do we want to change about our life now because of the wealth that's been unlocked? The reality for many is that the wealth they've created, which was often a byproduct of something they love to do, building a business. Usually wealth isn't the goal. It's a byproduct of something else. But when it is unlocked, uh, it often is, is, well, for the benefit of the family, but his, historically, and, and uh, for many families, it's not for the benefit of the family. It actually destroys the family because uh, it actually unloads a ton of, of, of things onto the family for which you're unprepared. And for young people in particular, you see, you, you see the impact in very, in very damaging ways. Often uh, kids who, who, uh, who end up uh, lost in life, they fail to launch and they even have substance abuse challenges. So the thing you've created, which might seem like a good thing for the family, and it could be, may actually destroy the family. And so my message to families is if you've created significant wealth and that's gonna be in your family beyond your lifetime or even in your lifetime, make sure you invest in preparing your family for uh, a job they perhaps didn't want or didn't choose, uh, but now they're faced with taking on, which has been responsible for the family's wealth. It's a really, really great point. And I mean, I mean, I think, you, you know, anyone, anyone who knows a strong willed entrepreneur, uh, who's likely a type A personality because they've, you know, in order to be successful and be driven, they've got to have a, a, a strong pathway ahead of them. I imagine a lot of those folks initially will have a view or would say things like, Oh, well, I didn't have to, I, I had to go through and do all these things this person's effectively got a silver spoon. My kids don't have the same challenges um, that I did. They're always taking it back to their own experiences, but, but everyone's experience is their own experience, right? If, it, if a child hasn't had those challenges, but is experiencing a whole bunch of new challenges associated with growing up in significant wealth, which by the way, the patriarch or the matriarch may not be able to prepare them for because they did not have these same experiences as, as a child. I mean, um, I think what it'd be helpful to understand is you know, what do you do within a family unit to kind of one break down these issues for, you know, for a first gen family that um, when, when it comes to a matriarch or patriarch to get them to understand, you know, the crux of this issue. And then um, maybe hearing a bit of the processes as of how you bring the child or the children into this would be, would be helpful also. Yeah, great. There's a, a couple of things I can unpack there. One of is uh, uh, maybe the, the work uh, I do with families to help them kind of navigate this challenge. Um, I'm working right now with a family in London, and and actually the process is is is, is actually fairly simple, but it involves a huge amount of their emotional energy, and it, it starts with uh, uh, understanding the individuals in the family because we we had this collective future because of the wealth that's been created. But actually, the collective future is only possible if we have strong individuals uh, who are confident in themselves and where they're going and can work with others in the family to then manage collectively the wealth that's been created. So we start and say, well, what's the me story? Who am I? What's my identity? What's my purpose? What are my strengths and gifts and, and, uh, and also the, 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 my weaknesses that I want to work on? What are those things? So we go from the me people understanding themselves, seeing themselves in a new way, to the we. Who are we together? I bring the me to the we story, the family really matters. So how do we 
strengthen the we? How do we make this, this family, which is a functional decision-making body in some form, effective and functional? Keeping in mind that the we is often undermined by the, uh, the, the success of the family. You know, we have a great deal of separation now because we're wealthy. We can do things on our own and we often do. So the, the we, the tight family unit that you need is often um, it, uh, challenged by, by, by the wealth that's created. So we go from me to we, and then we can think about once we've got a healthy vehicle, a healthy family, then we can think about where, where do we want to go together? What do we want all this to be for? What impact do we want to have in the world? How do we want to use what we have, not just for ourselves and our family's benefit, but for the future? And then finally, we look at the how. Well, how do we look at all that? And that's where obviously governance and, and planning and other things is, is so important. So we go a me, we, where, how journey. It seems weird, but actually the more we spend working on the me and helping every individual in a family understand themselves and see themselves through the eyes of others and growing their emotional intelligence, the better they'll come together as a family unit, the better they can function as a family unit, the more trust there is, the more effective they'll be at thinking about where they can go together. And then the more effective they'll be at designing the, the how, the structures that get them there. So when you say the me, are you doing that for each individual family member? Each individual family member. So it takes a ton of time, one-on-one -on -one with every single family member, and then doing that, uh, and then having collective times for the whole family. But, you know, there's no shortcut to that because these individual family members often haven't been asked the hard questions, often haven't done the self-reflection sure. that's necessary. And when it comes to the matriarch and patriarch, another family I'm working with, the, the, the patriarch is quite unaware of his impact on his adult kids. Right. Quite unaware that he's quite a stifling influence on them. And they're at an age now where they've got their own dreams and visions. And so the work is helping open his eyes to his impact on their lives and helping to build a bridge between the two. So that, that strengthens the we so that they can have a conversation about the where. Was that a challenging process to go through with, with him? Was he, I mean, was he the person that, that started this journey or was it some other member of the family that suggested that you, you come in? Yeah, uh, and you know, the, the journey can start in any, uh, in, in any number of places. In this case, it started with his children, his three adult children saying, look, we're getting really tight as a sibling uh, group, and, but we don't think we can engage our father. What do we do? And I knew that getting the father involved too early wouldn't work. And so with his blessing, they embarked on a journey with me to kind of strengthen the me and the we. Uh, and, and in sharing what they were learning, the father got interested. He could see the change in them personally and their relationships. He said, I want something of what you're doing. Tell me what's going on. And so he's now joined the journey with a great deal of desire to learn. If he hadn't joined it that way, he probably would have come with a desire to, to show that he knew all that they needed to know. And that's not the case now. He's coming with a different posture. And so, yeah, I mean, you just have to work with the different founders, different patriarchs, different matriarchs in whatever way uh, brings them in with a posture of learning and not feeling like they have to know all the answers. Because, of course, they don't. And, and they're moving into new territory. Sure. You know, they're moving into a territory. They knew how to create wealth and build a business. But actually, the next chapter of life requires very different skills. Sure. I think for a lot, for a lot of successful entrepreneurs, uh, you know, they have the ability to learn and change because they wouldn't have been so successful, right? I mean, if you're completely, if you're not open to it, then, then you won't grow and, you, and that can stifle success. So watching the kids, you know, adapt and engage in your process and then take that back to, to the entrepreneur. I mean, I think that, that, that sounds like it was a, a, a great outcome. Um, 
my first uh, uh, point to parents would be if you've created great wealth and you intend to pass some or much of that on to your kids, uh, as many do, keep in mind that if, if you pass on wealth without the wisdom and without the values and character necessary to steward it, look after it well, the chances are you're handing your kids uh, poison and it'll damage them. And the evidence is clear on that. And you don't have to look far for families where kids have kind of imploded under the weight of wealth. So invest heavily in, in their education and their wisdom. And also keep in mind that uh, the things that made you successful are the things you've probably lost in your family. And I mean, what I mean by that is you learned the value of struggle. You had to do things tough. You learned uh, how to be resourceful, how to be industrious. You learned to get up when you're knocked down. These are all skills you had to learn perhaps when you didn't have much as you were starting out. As you've had a lot of abundance in your family, your kids probably haven't learned that. They may be used to flying in a plane on their own or you know, at the front of the plane and not actually knowing how to navigate the, the, uh, the jungle of uh, check-in, for example. It's a common problem, you'd be surprised. Um, you, you, your kids may have had the best given to them uh, because you could afford it. But your job is not to give them the best, it's actually to bring out their best and bringing out their best in them. It's an internal activation that requires a different approach and too much of uh, the, the sort of blessings of wealth can kill the very thing, the very character you're wanting to create in your kids. So be really intentional about that. There's a whole bunch of stuff we do around that. I just want to uh, leave that uh, idea in, in, in your mind and the mind of your listeners. That's uh, a great point. I mean, I think, you know, the overarching theme in all of this is education, right? If any, anyone's an avid reader and wants to, wants to dig into this area, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, data points that talk about, you know, the, the core component of what, what you need to do to get families engaged and buy in and build longevity around, you know, family wealth. It fundamentally is driven in many ways by education. As you said, building you know, purpose and legacy around values, right? Kids need to understand why the family is doing what they're doing and, and believe it and buy into it, right? And I think that a, a very good point um, that you, you were flagging before, uh, if they don't value or appreciate the wealth because it's just always been there, right? Or they're turned off by it for whatever reason, right? What I see regularly with a lot of, you know, uh, particularly first gen is there might be this obsession with money, right? Whether it's the entrepreneur or some other part of the, the family or because they, they might've come from, from um, humble beginnings um, that for the next generation can be you know, somewhat of a turnoff, right? I mean, because there's this sense that it may be the money or the business or the focus was more important than, than, than the family. And in often the case, it's, it's the case that I think that entrepreneurs that are particularly first year as they're creating the wealth, don't see that, right? They're like, okay, well, this is so much better. I, I've come from this place where that is abject misery when it comes to being in a position where you've got nothing, right? Or you're, or you're poor. And I've created something that is truly um, impressive and it's taken the family, elevated the family in all these different ways. Um, 
but still there's such a major disconnect between the second generation and, 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 the, and the wealth creators. Um, is there a situation where if that's been left unchecked for such a long period of time, you think it's hopeless, right? As a family, hey, how do we bring this purpose back together? Or do you think that, you know, that those type of issues, all of that stuff can be resolved in time, provided everyone's open to it? I think if we take our first goal to be uh, uh, having strong and flourishing individuals and strong families, if we take that as our overarching purpose, mm -hmm. uh, then everything else is up for discussion. Yeah. And so um, I th most of the families I work with, the founder will have loved the business and wealth they've created. But if you ask them what's more important, the sustaining the family or sustaining the world, they, they will generally say, well, actually family matters more. Yeah. Uh, obviously you want both, but, but actually that that's preeminent. And so what I would say is that um, if you are a founder and created significant wealth, maybe you've still got your operating business somewhere there and, and you, you're pretty attached to it. Uh, keep in mind your purpose, you had freedom to pursue what you wanted to do, what you were passionate about doing, what you felt called to do, what you really wanted to do. You felt uh, free to do that and you were free and look what you created. What you've now done, if you uh, want your kids to follow in your footsteps, is actually deny them that choice. Because you basically say, hey, here's your purpose, it's just to follow me. And so it's, it's funny because you enjoy choice and we all do. But if, if that's imposed on the next gen, of course they're gonna kick back and say, well, hang on, what about me? And so what you wanna do is create an environment where it's possible for young adults, um, and we do this through the Core Venture Program, to, to think about, well, what am I here to contribute in the world? What's my purpose? What's, what's my reason for being? What footprint am I going to leave on this world? Because I want to, I want to matter. I want to do something that's substantial. And I don't just want to be a, a, a footnote on my father and mother's uh, you know, achievements. Give them freedom to explore that, but also freedom to opt into taking on the family's responsibilities if they so wish. From a young adult's perspective, we say, listen, there is something that's been created that is going to outlive your parents. It's, it's, it's assets of certain forms. It might be, um, you know, still an operating business perhaps and other forms of assets. There is a responsibility you have to honor your parents and to help them think about how that will manage now, but also beyond their lifetime. So don't turn your back on the family and their needs of you. Lean into it and say, well, how can I still pursue what I think I want to do and want to be. Maybe I need to be an artist or an, a surgeon or a, whatever it is you think you can do and should be, or maybe build your own business. Do that, but also recognize and work out how you can play a part in managing the family's affairs. And that's why anything, obviously, you know, there's a whole bunch of models around that governance models where you can still be actively involved, but not having to be a slave. I'd say let, let there be freedom, but also let there be responsibility. Yeah, because I, I think what you're saying, if I paraphrase this back, is that the collective input of the entire family is, is important, right? So even if someone's saying, hey, this is not my core purpose, I'm going to go off and I'm going to follow my dream, there needs to be a framework where the family supports that, right? Because as you, you rightly point out, this is probably the magic or the secret source that created the value uh, or the wealth within the family to begin with because the, the, the patriarch or the matriarch had that you know, that, that ability, but strong families still require collective input. Yeah, they certainly do. And that, you know, I talked before about the me, the me is what do I want to do and be? 
the we is who do we want to be together yeah. and how do we work together well to make good decisions for the future. Dennis uh, Jaffe, who wrote uh, uh, the book uh, Borrowed from uh, Your Grandchildren, and it's a, a culmination, I may have mentioned this before, of, of a study of businesses around the world or enterprise families that have lasted more than 100 years. And they said, what are the ingredients that help them last 100 years? How's that possible? Because most don't make it. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that they picked up on is this idea of being uh, the families that make it uh, being uh, generative families. And what, what they mean by generative is that instead of the first generation sort of creating the wealth and the second sort of building it and the third squandering it because they don't feel like they have any attachment to what was created, uh, what you want is every generation to see themselves as a first generation. Mm. Every generation to say, okay, well, this is now ours. How do we build what's next? Rather than just follow the plans of the, you know, generation one, what do they want? You know, are we honoring what they wanted? Now, every generation has to work out for themselves together, if they are together, what their contribution is going to be. They need to be industrious. They need to be entrepreneurial. They need to be creative and productive with whatever they have. So that's what I'd encourage families to do. Make sure you cultivate that dynamic in your family where you have this creativity that continues to, to uh, push on beyond whatever you could create. Yeah. No, it's really, really important advice. I mean, when we were starting this discussion, you were talking about the me and the we. I, I don't think I truly understood the way in which your framework worked together as, as the way in which you just broke it down just now, right? I could see how that could be really powerful. Right? Everyone's looking at them individually. What's my own purpose? You know, how do I go out and get that? But there still needs to be this understanding, this, this collective we. Hey, yes, you're, you're free to pursue whatever you want. But collectively, we need your intellect. We need your input. Um, if the family is going to obviously, you know, stay together and grow together, um, that, that's a great insight. And I like the way you, you framed it. Um, and, and Andrew, the you know the education piece again. We you know we've talked about this many times. As, you know how 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 critical that is. Um, before we step off, I did want to. I did want to jump a little bit into core venture because through my own dealings with individual clients, I could see how this program such as this could, could have material impact. Um, I, I think regardless of what, what people's personal view is of, of, of this topic, um, anyone who's coming at this and experiencing this would agree that education of of next gen so that you can get them into a position that they feel they have a purpose and buy into whatever the, the we is of, of the family um has to be i think it's the single most important thing right because if you don't have kids that are educated they have the iq or the emotional intelligence to actually uh take on the challenges that they're going to have as they grow into to a role within a material family, then, you know, you're, you're, you're almost better off giving up on things before you, before you even get started. I mean, do, can you talk a little bit about core venture, how it came about um, and, you know, and, and what you're seeing within the program? Sure. Thanks for the question about core venture. Uh, you know, core venture kind of grew out of this observation that, many families were failing to prepare their young people for for a future of wealth 
uh, failure uh, to thrive of young people from wealth. You know, they've got all of the benefits you could ever want, but actually not launching. Uh, in some cases I mentioned earlier, actually suffering through substance abuse and those sorts of things. And digging into it, I, I, I looked in to see, well, what, what do people do to prepare their young people for wealth? And the answer was, well, you know, the banks put on some programs, maybe the lawyers do, and they learn a bit about money and their states and, you know, succession and maybe philanthropy as well, all good stuff and all necessary. But it failed to do with the, the deep issues that Next Gen I knew were dealing with. And those issues were things like, you know, I feel really isolated. I don't have any friends I can trust because I can't really talk about my world with them. And when I do, it just makes me feel very different. And wealth has actually made me feel very different growing up. And, and I didn't want to be different growing up. I wanted to be like everybody else. Or, you know, I, I don't know if I could ever achieve anything next to my parents. Their achievements were so great. How could I ever add up and be anything much in this world and so i feel like i'm i'm starting as, as a, a defeated already or maybe uh, i've got so many options i could be i could be anything or i could be nothing and in some ways it doesn't matter <laughs> because i'll still get you know a roof over my head and and, yeah. and probably an income so all of these questions running around in people's minds that weren't being addressed and i thought what's happening here is that people because of the wealth they're they're living in uh, are being confronted with a whole bunch of things that they can't talk about with others because it's not the normal experience of most. And parents perhaps don't see this. They don't recognize because they haven't lived it. These things are going on, these questions have been asked. And so the assumption is if we just send our kids to the best college, give them the best education we can, that's, that's our job done. Yeah. But the reality is the job they're actually already doing, which is living with wealth, they've not been prepared for. And so what we wanted to do is create something that was beyond the MBA, something that does what no MBA actually really does well. And that is to put people in a peer community of people like them who are wrestling with those sort of questions and helps them process them and the complexities of what it means to live with wealth and actually work it through uh, and, and find a path through so that they can live a life of great purpose, great meaning, great joy, and actually do that with a focus much more on character and say, look, success isn't about taking the family's wealth and multiplying it x-fold. Success is much more around who you become. The, 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 the thing you'll be celebrated for at the end of your life isn't, isn't your net wealth. It's going to be the, the impact you had on others. And let's help you be a person who, who has a great impact on others and makes a contribution you know, based on whatever your gifts are and guess what? If we do that, the chances are when it comes to thinking about wealth, you won't be one who thinks like, I'm just going to squander this wealth or I'm going to consume it or I'm going to park it and do nothing with it. You'll be a person who thinks, great, look at this wealth. How can we be impactful with it? How can we build a new business? How can we grow the business we've got? How can we uh, do good things in a world with all of what we have as well? So this focus on character is really what the program is all about. And so we, we kind of launched this very intense four-month journey over three countries with input from Stanford University, Oxford University, uh, families of wealth, experts in their field, intense coaching, but it's created an extraordinary impact in the lives of those who have gone through it. And they, even a year on, we're just doing our, uh, our last batch. We're doing our follow-up phone calls to see how it's going. I said, look, this has transformed our lives and uh, we are a different person uh, because of what we experienced, this is what real preparation looks like. So, I mean, you know, people can look up the details on Core Venture 
org, but it's it's a very intense and highly relational approach to preparing for a future. Yeah, I, I couldn't recommend it more highly. I mean, when you uh, first mentioned it to me, there's a lot of amazing things you just sort of touched on, but I, I shared my own experience with a client. You know, we're talking about purpose and you know, we're going through all the different things uh, that they could do. And uh, the response to each of the different items was, well, I could do that or I could just buy it. Right. The challenge is when you have enough money to buy anything in the world, building purpose can't be around around money. It needs to be around something else. And I think the other thing that s- some people might find you know, challenging or strange if they're not necessarily in this world or they're new to the world is that every single human wants to be better than their parents. It is human nature. Freud wrote extensively o- about it. So as a, as a result of that, um, if the sole way of judging success or whether someone can be more successful than a parent is to make more money, then as you said, the, the probability of that happening's low when they're doomed to have challenges from the start. So I, I think, you know, this whole notion of building purpose through these other, other means, you know, provided it, it's got the buy-in and support of the rest of the family is such a major thing. And I can see how it would have, have a huge impact if you're getting, getting kids to think like this at the, at the right ages and in the foundational years. For anyone that's listening, I'd recommend you go to the website, check it out. Um, if you've got any questions, you know, reach out to Andrew um, or reach out to me. I'll make sure you get through to the right, right people because I, I, think, I think it is a really, really, really awesome thing that you're doing. Um, well, Andrew, um, I'm, I'm, I just want to thank you very, very much for, for coming along and, and being here today. It's been, it's been, been a great session. Um, so, so thanks for joining. Peter, thanks very much and uh, look forward to catching up again soon. Okay, Take care. Cheers. Bye. That was another episode of the Three Pillars podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. You can find more information about our firm at asceneradvisors.com. Follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter for frequent updates and weekly blogs. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast whenever you're listening and check in every Wednesday for another episode. This has been the Three Pillars Podcast.